Welcome to All About the Benefits. This show is dedicated to helping you better understand the world of benefits so that you can better serve those that serve you. And now, here's your host, Lori Jewett. All right, you guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening again. I appreciate you tuning in each and every week. And today, I am super excited. I am joined with Nick Wingo. Some of you guys have maybe read his book. If you haven't, definitely get it. Um, I have actually sent it to a client, and I'm going to tell that story. It's super cool. Um, but Building Grit, he also is very experienced in breathwork, and we are going to talk about a lot of fun stuff today. So, Nick, thank you for your time. I know you're busy, and I, I appreciate it. If you want to give us just a real quick intro, and then we'll have some fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. I really appreciate you bringing me on the podcast. I love the opportunity to share. Um, you know, my passion is, is really just to share any knowledge that I've learned over the past several years and, and share it with other people. Uh, you know, I think it's important as we learn, the more we learn, the more we should share because we can benefit others. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was I was a firefighter for 18 years. Um, I had a pretty rough career. I lost a lot of friends, a lot of coworkers. I lost half of one crew. Uh, one guy, he, he was working, we were working a fire and um, he fell off a roof, six stories, landed on his pack and killed him instantly. Another guy from that crew, he um, got a brain tumor and started having um, really bad seizures and then committed suicide. So I, I've, I've seen a lot of suicide um, from coworkers, cancer, line of duty deaths. Um, you know, and in the job, just there was a lot of death and destruction and pain that I saw. And uh, one day, I looked at my partner and and I said, "Look, man, I'm having I'm having nightmares. I can't I can't sleep." And he told the captain, and um, the captain came to me and said, "Hey, it's time for you to take a day off for work." And I said, "Cool, I can't stand this place anyway, so it's time for I, I I'll, I'll take my day gladly." Um, and then. Six weeks later, my dad died, and then I just had a whole string of unfortunate events. I ended up in treatment for 35 days, and when I was there, I said, no more, no more fire department, no more pain, no more suffering, which I, there's still pain and suffering. That never goes away, but the, <clears throat> I let go of the fire department because I knew I just didn't want to add any more uh, to any more trauma to, to, my, to my world. So I've been on an incredible journey the past few years. Of really discovering what life is um, because I've had a lot more time and um, I, I've had a lot more abilities to just slow down and, and go, man, wh what is it that I'm doing? What, what am I seeking? Where am I, where am I going? And what is it that I really want out of life? Um, because, you know, being a firefighter, I was so programmed. Um, I was so programmed into this whole ideology that we, we work until we're 55 to 60 and then we retire and and i just i've learned that that's just that's a load of crap it's not true it's like yeah <laughs> you know, we're meant to live right now um and so that's really what my my process has been is just learning how to live right now in my present moment accept my emotions and my feelings and embrace the feminine side of myself and um you know touch all these pieces of me that not a lot of men are willing to to touch um and you know just really in the i've been in this like really huge discovery of of um you know what does it look like to be a true masculine man um who understands how to embrace this feminine peace and, and allow the lover to come come out of him because i really truly believe that one of the biggest problems right right now that we have in the world is that we don't have true masculine men 
that understand how to be lovers. Because if we did, this place would be a way better place. So it's so interesting that you said that because we are um, at church on Saturday. We're having a men's conference, and the theme is "I am man, hear me love." That's the whole theme totally. of, of the event is embracing that and and realizing that yes, you can be masculine, but you can also be you know loving and. One of a, a quote that I just wrote down from our pastor was "God is love." How can we not talk about it? I'm like, oh, totally. that's mind blowing. But so I have so many things now. You know, I told you that my my sheet was blank. It's not blank anymore. I'm writing down like things that I'm that are coming to me that I want to talk about. But one of the things that I want to I, I want to lead with is kind of a, a story, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. I actually wrote about it in my book um, that releases July first. Just saying a little, nice. little 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 hint drop there, but it's been 13 months in the making. Self, I'm gonna drop all self plug. Right. Like, isn't that <laughs> totally. the point of doing a podcast? I'm, it's your podcast. So <laughs> Doug Mitchell told me, um, Doug Mitchell was one of my first podcast guests like uh almost a year ago. And his his point was one of the coolest things with podcasts is you get free coaching from all these people and you can plug your own stuff. And I'm like, done. Totally. But so I got a call. I want to say. November, December from a client. I'm in, if, I'm not sure if you know, but I do employee benefits. Um, it used to be full-time. I do it on the side now. And the most of the clients that I kept on are my police and firemen. Um, the, you know, so because we work with like counties and townships and stuff. And I got a random call. Um, and the timing was just really weird and kind of perfect. It was actually the same day that I interviewed Bob Greenaway, um, which if you guys have not connected, I'm sure you have been the way you're shaking your head. Yep, we have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, he right, he's the one who recommended your book for this client. Um, actually, okay. on my podcast, you recommended your book. But so I got a call from this client that um, wanted to know if he had if any of his policies that he had with me had any mental health benefits, any, um, you know, paid for therapy or anything like that. And he's a fireman and they don't. Um, Although I may have an option coming soon. But anyway, as of right now, we don't. But it was just, we had a, a really deep conversation considering I'm just, you know, just his insurance agent. But he kind of opened up a little bit. And then I talked to Bob after that, I believe. And he said, you need to send him that book. So I sent him your book because it's, I mean, just it was perfect. And I've recommended oh. it to a lot of, you know, fire and police clients that, because it is such a, such a big problem that people don't talk about. And, you know, the, a lady that, um, a really good friend of mine now is a retired police officer. We run our youth group together and she and a bunch of her retired, um, you know, law enforcement friends have started, they're, they're starting a nonprofit because their point is, and this is more on the police side of it, but if you're a police officer struggling with, you know, depression and lean towards addiction, you can't really go in AA because, you've arrested some of the people that are in there, but potentially there's a lot of a problem. So I think it is for me, it's amazing that so many people are coming out now. I say so many, I know like four of y'all, but um, that's a lot. And, and that's sad yes. that it's a lot, but are coming out and addressing that for law enforcement and um, you know, firefighters, EMTs, all of that, because you guys see a lot. I hang out in squad rooms during open enrollment and you know, in the fire department is right next to the police department at one of my cases. And so I hear and see all these things. And all I'm hearing is what's on the radio and the random conversations that are had in front of me. And it gives me nightmares. 
Totally. So, I mean, the fact that you wrote a book to to address that and help people through it is just absolutely huge. I, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I I don't give myself enough credit, and I always I, I, when you when you write a book, um, one of the things is is you really never know how far and wide you touch. Um, so it's always cool to hear you know people people talk about it. And it's crazy. Just the other day, I had somebody come over and paint my house. And uh, he saw my book on the wall and he goes, holy cow, I've read your book. And I was like, really? No way. And he said, yeah, when I was in the, when I was in the Marine Corps, um, it was one of the books that got um, recommended as uh, by the, by, by one of his commanders. Wow. I was like, man, I I had no idea that. So apparently the government is recommending my book to um, the military personnel um, for the post-traumatic stress, which is wild. I had no clue. That is huge. yeah, I had no idea, which is really wild. Super cool. And you know, the, the crazy thing is, which is kind of off topic, but the, the crazy thing about that is we don't know the impact that we have until somebody tells us. So one of my big things is tell people, you know, and I'm, I'm not the best at it, obviously, or I would have reached out to you and said, hey, your book helped a client of mine. Or, but, you know, but I'm working right, but, I mean, you, 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 you know, you, you can't you're not always going to reach out to everybody. I mean, it's just, everybody's got busy lives. We're all living mm-hmm. our own lives. We're all cruising through life, doing our own things. So, which um, is, you know, it's we, important to remember. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're not designed to know a ton of people. Um, you know, we're, we're, our brains are wired to have a small tribe of, you know, six to eight, six to 10 people that you know really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everybody else, you're not going to really, you're not really going to build relationships or ever really know how you impact them. Um, that's just, that's just part of life, you know, just the way it is. We just have to know and build that confidence in ourselves that even if we don't know it, we are making an impact. Totally. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's, that's. And it's all about like where you focus your attention and and how you see yourself. And, you know, the power of our word is I've learned how we speak of ourselves, what we say, what, how we act, it impacts everything about who we are, you know? And so if you, if you live this life of, of thinking positively, you know, and, and I understand you, that there is this toxic positivity <laughs> that you can have. Um, that's totally a thing because you, you need to recognize like where you are, but on the same note, like where you look and when, where you focus is where you go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny as you say that. I'm looking at my like half done vision board, and I'm like, Steve Gamlin would be so disappointed in me. Um, <laughs> we're we're readjusting my vision board though now that because it was all book stuff, and now the book and the audio book are done and about to release. So I'm like, oh, cool. So now we're gonna do live events and <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right about the the toxic positivity and kind of on topic, but maybe a little bit curving around a little bit but we i think it's important and one of the things that you do that i wanted to to bring up is i think it's important that especially on social media we share the reality mm-hmm. because so many people share the highlight reel and especially you know i have, I have a teenage daughter i lead a teen youth group and when they see that everybody else is living this perfect life on social media and then in the reality we're we're adults we know that very few people that's their reality there's still there's there's things going on inside deep down 
you know, the the happiest people we know are the ones that are hurting, right? Like, look at Robin Williams. On the outside, he was super happy because all we saw was the highlights reel. And, totally. you know, there's so many people like that. But so I think it's incredibly important that people that just be authentic. And that's my whole thing is, you know, what my book is about. It's about ADHD, but also about like owning the ADHD. And it's so funny because there was a post in a mastermind that I think you're in Apex, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there was a post in there this morning about ADHD and it's, it, it's not a deficit. It's a superpower. And you have to look and we all have some sort of superpower. Your experience and the horrible things that you went through and saw, it's a superpower because you can use it to help other people. You're impacting, the government is recommending your book to people because instead of like focusing on the negative and, you know, poor pitiful me, I saw all these things. You put it into a book to to put it out in the world and help other people. That's huge. Totally. I mean, I mean it, it, it is. It's all, it's all our choice, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. our choice of how we get to look at it. We, we can choose to look at all oh, these things that have happened to me and, and I've, I've had this terrible life and blah, 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 you know, my life's horrible. Or you can look at it and go, man, you know, here's this thing that's happened. How can I use this? How can I use this to improve myself? How can I use this to um, get to where I want to go? You know, so many people, they they want to improve their lives. They want things to be better, but they don't want to do any of the work uh, associated with it. And unfortunately, part of the process is falling flat on your face and really just falling short completely and then learning how to get back up. Because mm-hmm. there are going to be major failures upon your road. There's going to be death. There's going to be pain. There's going to be destruction. That's just part of it. I mean, we, we live in a world of sin. Mm-hmm. And in a world of sin, there is pain. That is part of it. Unfortunately, that's what comes along with it. And so that's what we have to work with while we're, while we're here. And so we might as well make the best of it and, and come out on top, right? Instead of mm-hmm. being so caught up in... Uh, how terrible, terrible this is. I, I, I like to look at it as, okay, I learned this thing. And now this is this incredible opportunity to um, share with other people. So maybe they don't have to go through the same pain that I've been through. This is an incredible opportunity for me to help somebody. Um, that's the way I like to look, like to look at things. And I would never be where I am today had I not gone through these things. Mm-hmm. I would never be in the position that I am, I am in. And, you know, I feel like I'm in. A, I'm, I have some things that I'm. I'm getting ready to do that I'm in a pretty incredible position right now, uh, and so I'm incredibly grateful for all the things that have happened, even though they were very, very painful. And I think it's hard for us to accept that. At least it was hard for me. Um, and I, I know it is. It is hard for a lot of people because I've had a lot of these conversations about you know accepting the the fact that we can use those things. I mean, so just an example from my personal life, I lost my granddad when I was 15. It was a pivotal moment in my life. It was start, it was the beginning of a downward spiral. I blamed myself because I was 15 and 15 year olds. If any of my kids are listening, I love you, but 15 year olds can be really stupid and irrational. And I built on that. And for nearly what, almost, almost 20 years, I took responsibility for my granddad's death. Because he walked up some stairs after a heart attack to check on me. And in my little young brain, that was my fault. And so I was ruining my life. I mean, I was just making the the worst decisions. And when I finally started to embrace it, and it started, you know, earlier than, you know, 35 years old. But when I finally 
you know, realized, oh, wow, you know, therapy is awesome <laughs> for starters because she, you know, my, I didn't even know I was holding on to it. But then I started using it and I'm able to help other people. My book hasn't even come out yet. And I've already been able to make an impact on other people that may be holding on to something like that or maybe, you know, have a misdiagnosis. And it is insane in the 13 months since I started, you know, actually really being open about it, the, the impact that I've made. So if we can, if you and I and people, you know, that have kind of a similar mission can get other people to understand, hey, get your message out sooner because rather than, you know, cause more issues in your life, you can embrace it, work through it and make a huge impact on the world. Totally. You know, there's uh, one of the things that I've learned that's been the most powerful in my life is the power of vulnerability. And people are so scared to be vulnerable because they're afraid of getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you, like, if you're listening to this and you're you're afraid to share your story, you're afraid to speak your truth, you're afraid to use your voice. If anytime you start to talk and you feel your you feel your throat close in, um, that's that's just holding you hostage. And life is difficult and hard anyway you go. And so when you learn to be vulnerable, yes, there is a chance that someone may use that against you. But here's the thing is that whatever that person is is saying to you or if they're they're being nasty or whatever they're doing, it's because that thing is triggered them and it's alive and well in them and it's a piece of them. Because here's the thing is that good and bad, whatever I see in you is alive and well in me. It's the only way that I can see it. And so if you realize that really, number one, what other people think about you is, is none of your business mm-hmm. and, and it's them, it's their own stuff. It's not your stuff. And so when you learn to just embrace, like, that's not my stuff. I mean, you know, I, I have spent a lot of time and I've had a lot of things come up in my life where I've had an opportunity to go, not my stuff, not my problem and just let it go. And so I would just encourage you to just practice the ideology of being vulnerable. And then on top of that, going, hey, whatever comes up, it's not my stuff. And that's okay. Wherever those people are, it's okay that they're there because that's where they are. Absolutely. And I love that you said the good and bad of what you see in people is alive and well in you. Because for the longest time, I only focused on the bad. I'd heard that phrase, but I'd not heard it in the right context. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, if someone thinks that I'm being passive aggressive, then they must be passive aggressive. And I I looked at it from that. It wasn't, it was a very um, arrogant way that I was looking at it. But now I'm like, I realized, so I just showed you one of the things on my, my, my vision board is I'm going to start hosting live events for what, I don't know, close to 10 years. I've been telling my husband, he needs to get on stages. My husband is an amazing public speaker. I'm like, you need to host events. You need to get on stages. And last year at Million Dollar Mastermind, right after seeing David Goggins speak, I was we were watching from our hotel room and saw the fireworks over um, the ball stadium and or baseball field, whatever it's called. And it hit me. Like, as I was watching those fireworks, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to speak on stages. I see that in him because it's within me. And that was literally the pivotal moment. Something about seeing David Goggins speak. I don't know. <laughs> but so I think that I know that it's kind of off topic about what we were talking about, but I think that is a huge key that people realize is yes, you know, the, the bad that we see in each other, we have within ourselves, but also the good. Totally. I, it's I important. People it miss is. that. I mean, do you know about the blind spot? I don't know. 
So we have a visual blind spot. If you take your finger and you drag it across your face mm-hmm. and you look forward, you'll notice there's a spot where your finger jumps. So don't keep your eyes focused forward and just drag it across. And you'll notice that there's a spot where your finger jumps. Okay. This is, this is our visual blind spot. It also correlates to a, a spot in our brain where we have nothing. Um, and and there's, there's, it's really important to understand that this is, this is why we don't know what we don't know until somebody shows us. Because not only do we have a, a physical blind spot, we also have a mental blind spot. And so when you realize that you don't know which you don't know until somebody shows you, then you can be open. You can be open to other ideologies. Because one of the biggest problems I see in people I talk to is that they're so closed that, that it's it's just their way. It's this way. Uh, and when when you do that, you close yourself off from um, so much more perspective. And look, maybe what that person has to say is not for you. And that's totally okay. But when you hear somebody out in their perspective, then it expands your your mind and it expands your ability to see things. And it, and it lets you understand what other people are thinking. Um, and so it, it's really important to just understand that, you know, be open to what people have to say because you can learn so much. You can learn where you don't want to go. You can learn where you want to go. There's value in just hearing people's perspective out. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the things, whenever you start listening to people, like you've said several things now that I say that I've used in my book. And when we start having those conversations and listening, we start finding those people that we align with more and can learn more from. Because if you and I agree, I mean, you know, or have so many common um, commonalities in our mindset, I guarantee you we have things that the other doesn't know that we can still learn from each other. So, you know, the whole alignment over assignment, I think is huge. Um, I don't want to run out of time before we talk about, um, you know, breath work and all that. But before, before I segue into that, I want to bring up a post and I I don't remember all the details, but it's something that stuck with me. Um, a post that you posted, I don't know how long it's been because I have like no concept of time. It could have been last week. It could have been two years ago. I've been off social media for a little bit. So have you? Okay. So then it was a while ago then. But you went to a retreat or I don't know exactly what it was called. And it was a picture of you with your family. Just an incredibly emotional picture. Do you remember the one that I'm talking about? And you yeah, were- probably right when I was getting ready to take off and leave my family. I was at the airport. Yes. Yeah. That and I like I said, I don't remember all the details, but that post and the vulnerability in that post has stuck with me all this time. And I know that I'm not the only one. And I know that I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't have a, a law enforcement or military or, you know, fire, firefighting background. But if it's stuck with me this long, I can't imagine the impact it's had on other people that are struggling from the things that they've seen and experienced, you know, in, in those occupations, just the impact that it's had on them has got to be just profound. So I would, I would love it if you would kind of expand on that and kind of tell that story a little bit because it was awesome. You sacrificing the time with your family to go and better yourself so you can be a better person for them and, you know, the world. Yeah, totally. I mean, this whole journey has been such a process. And um, in fact, it's, you know, me leaving has led to fights with my wife at times um, because there was a lot of of seeking truth and seeking healing. And um, at times I've fallen pretty hard through this whole process. Um, you know, I, I've just taken the stance of, um, 
you know, I needed to go out and, and, and figure out how to become this new person. Um, and that has taken a lot of sacrifice from my family. Um, and it's taken a lot of, um, a, a lot of persistence and a lot of grit, you know, um, I, 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 I went and did these breathwork seminars in Tulum and, 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 in Ibiza, Spain. And, um, you know, I've traveled all over the world kind of rediscovering who I am. Um, and it's, it's been a painful process. Like it's not been easy. It's not been easy to leave my family. Um, because like I said, it's, it's, it's brought some pain too. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change uh, how, how I went about it and, and what I did. Um, and really all this stuff, all it's done. Uh, and I've been off social media now for, oh man, I think it's like three or four months because I've been really um, turning back into um, discovering who I truly am. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I've just, this path has led me back to um, looking at the one true creator, um, reconnecting back to God, re reconnecting back to um, my true belief um, and Yeshua, the true King, Jesus Christ, back in Yahuwah, um, God. And so that's where I am right now. That's why I took a pause from social media. That's why I stepped away from it because I was getting way too distracted. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have been spending my time refocusing back onto um, what this life is truly all about. So that's kind of where I have ended up. In the past six, by the past three years, the past four months, really specifically, is that's why I've been separate from from social media. Just really going back into where I want to point uh, my compass. Yeah, and it can be a distraction, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Um, I I think there's a couple times if I wasn't in the process of you know book promotion and running the social media for church and all that that I I think it it might be time for a hiatus soon. <laughs> totally <laughs> for me at least. Uh, but it's the same reasons, it gets very distracting and yeah. it, because, and for me, part of it is, and I'm not so bad at it anymore, but for a while it was like, oh, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Well, this person is doing this. I need to do this. And this person, you know, someone I, yesterday was like, oh, our, you know, my podcast just hit over 10,000. It was a private message, but um, it just hit over 10,000 downloads. And I'm like, I've been doing this for a year now. I think that recording this is going to be episode like 57. And I'm nowhere near that. And so the comparison, comparison is a thief of joy. Oh. And that's one of the things that I struggle with with social media. But, well, I want to make sure that we we talk about breathwork. And I've, I've had Dr. Nicole Coyle on before, and she and I talked a lot about breathwork. And one of the things that came up whenever she and I were talking was there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of false information out there about breathing and breathwork. Um. So I would love you to kind of, and, and a lot of people don't know what breath work is. They don't, you totally. know, like what's breath work? I breathe every day. That's breath work, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you know, breath work has been one of the biggest um, helpers in my journey. Uh, I started out, my journey started out with just simple Wim Hof breathing, um, which Wim Hof breathing is more of a, it's more of like a um, build up your superpowers type of breathing. Um, and then, but I started to understand like the power of our breath and I understand, started to understand that like when you actually use your lungs, um, to their full capacity, that you can start to activate different chemicals in your body and, 
you can, I mean, you can actually generate DMT um, and you can have some pretty profound experiences. Um, and so I, I started out with the Wim Hof and that was more of like a feel good. And then I got into conscious connected breath work, which is very, it's open mouth breathing where you breathe the music for, you know, roughly an hour. Um, and that style of breath work, that is where you can have some pretty profound um, experiences and really um, that it's, it's, it's difficult to explain unless you've actually done a session, but um it can just open your brain to so many things. Like, I mean, it really can just like, um, just like in counseling, this can unlock traumas that you didn't realize that you had. Um, it can open your mind to things that you didn't realize that you had going on with you. It, it can be pretty wild experience. Um, and then once I started doing the conscious connected breath work, then I, um, I was seeking a little bit more deeper and I came across, um, Soma Breathwork, uh, the guy who does Soma Breathwork, he actually, his name is Naraj Naik, and uh, he produces the music for Wim Hof. And so I went to Ibiza, Spain, and that, that, and learned directly from him. Oh, wow. And, That's uh, so cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty incredible experience. He's a terrible driver. I gave him <laughs> crap. It was, it was, it was a pretty incredible experience, though. Um, and that music, that breathing is, uh, breathing, it's, um, rhythmical breathing to music with some breath holds and ohm chants. Um, and that can also have some profound experiences. Breathwork is one of those things where there, you know, me being a, um, a very spiritual man. Um, I, I don't like to call myself a Christian because I, I don't believe in the, the, the modern day Christianity, I believe it's um, pointed away from what the true truth is. Um, so breathwork, it, there, there is a danger with it as well. Um, if, if you are someone who believes um, the, the way I believe, um, there is a danger of looking towards the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. um, because the, uh, the deceiver, he is a, he is a bright white light. And so a lot of these breathwork sessions, you'll have, um, you know, you'll tell, they'll tell you to look towards the bright, the bright white light and to draw off the bright white light. And what I learned is, is that you can be looking at the wrong bright white light. Uh, and so I have been developing my own style of breathing to connect to who I believe to be the true creator uh, and not to be distracted to, from, to, the, to the wrong light. So... Um, but it's been an incredible experience to, to get here. That is interesting. I'm taking notes. Um, I think this is going to be one of those episodes that people that are listening while they're driving are going to have to like listen again when they're not driving because you're you're dropping a lot of um, like I had the bright white light thing. I'm like, well, I got to look into that because that's interesting. But you know, so I and a lot of people with ADHD, I have very if you haven't noticed. <laughs> I have very severe ADHD. Got my little like box of fidgets here. I mean, come on. My podcast room is a giant fidget. Um, <laughs> but so, you know, one, one of the issues with us is breathing is hard. Like it is. And it, I, for, for years and years and years, I had no idea that the reason that I would stop breathing, like my husband for years would literally like tap me on the arm and remind me to breathe because we would be sitting, you know, just watching TV or something. And I would hold my breath. So for me, the idea of the kind of breath work that you're talking about, it's still overwhelming. It's not as overwhelming as it used to be. But I'm like, I can't even remember to breathe when I'm watching a movie. Like, how am I going to you know, be mindful and do all this? And 
it's gotten a lot better. And now that I speak on stage, um, I'm learning. I obviously I have to learn. I'm going to wind up passing out. Um, totally. Because I'll get through like, and then I'm like, oh, I just talked for three minutes and maybe took two breaths. Um, but so I got this little thingy. Have you seen these? The Camoso shift. I haven't seen that. No, it's so it's basically a straw essentially. And it's designed to, um, extend your exhale. Okay. Yeah, totally. So you don't have such, I guess, shallow breaths, maybe, mm-hmm. um, bought it like over a year ago and I've used it once. Cause I never bothered to watch ADHD. I needed it. I could not live without it, but totally. I, uh, haven't watched any of the videos on how to use it. But anyway, um, so, you know, this, there's things like this out there that, you know, that are kind of getting the word out that people need to, you know, focus on breath work. And I do yoga. I have like the, the tempo machine thing where you have like the videos and it's, you know, guided instructions. And I do like the breath work and meditation and there's so many different kinds of it. It blows my mind. Like one of the, the my, my husband and I for 75 hard, we've been doing um, like every other day we've been doing yoga. And one of the things that they do is the belly breathing. It is totally. so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah, it can be for sure. Absolutely. But so what, what advice do you have for people? Cause I know you, you've like taken the deep dive into it, which in a perfect yeah. way, we all would, but for people that want to learn about breath work and want to, you know, I guess get better at meditation. Cause for me, I, my mind just wanders. I get so distracted. And one of the cool things I like about the yogi that I use on the tempo videos is he always says, if your mind wanders, that's fine. Just bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> bring it back in. Um, but what, anyway, what advice do you have on that for people that are just getting started? Well, first, advice is grace learning to give yourself grace because we 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 or at least i i can't speak for everybody but i can speak for me what i've learned from me is that um i would hold myself to like this certain way that i had to breathe or i had to do this thing right um and that's just not how it works learning to give yourself grace and just be as you are right um, because here's the thing is we are human beings. And I say this time and time and time again, we are human beings, not human doings. So you don't need to be doing anything. The whole process is learning how to be. And in that process is learning how to give yourself grace and learning how to just accept you for who you are right where you are right now in this moment, because it's the only moment you have. And when you're caught up in all this other stuff about, oh, I need to be this way or I need to be that way, or I should be doing this or I should be doing that, then you you are robbing yourself from peace because Mm -hmm. you're caught up somewhere else. And so really breathing is it's activating your vagus nerve. Okay. And the vagus nerve is actually what connects our, our organs, our vital organs to our brain. What's incredibly interesting is it's 80% communication body to mind and 20% connection mind to body. And so learning to breathe is activating that vagus nerve and learning how to be comfortable in your own skin. It's about learning how to be comfortable in your body because one of the biggest problems that I learned about me, and I'm sure this is a lot of people because I know that a lot of people are just like me, is that my body was not safe. And as a man, it's even more of that as a man, because you're taught how to 
how you should act and how you should be and how you should feel, right? Or how you should lack emotion. Here's the thing. Emotion lives in your body. And so when you do not, when your body is not safe, then your emotions aren't safe. And when your emotions aren't safe, you're a mess because you're blocking yourself and you're holding yourself hostage. And so breathing, learning to slow down and breathe activates the vagus nerve, connects your body to your mind, and then you can start to expand yourself. Um, often when I work with people, one of the things that, uh, one of the first things we do is learning how to actually feel your heartbeat. Um, because when you, when you learn how to, you, if you, if you actually slow down and you, um, and you just, what I do is that I, I teach it in breath holds. Cause that's the easiest place to learn how to do it is you can actually, um, you can do it. Similar to Wim Hof, you know, do 30 or 40 breaths, and then you can go into a breath hold on the exhale. So you exhale all your air out. And then what you do is you focus down into your fingertips and you can notice that you're, that you have pulses in your fingertips. You can actually feel the heartbeat and then you can start to feel it in your toes. And then you can actually go and feel it in your chest. And then you can begin to scan your body for your heartbeat and then you can actually become one full pulsation so when you practice this um you can literally in your breath hold you can feel like you're floating on a cloud and you're pulsating and you can feel your heart beat throughout your entire system and so when you learn to do that you're connecting with yourself you're slowing down um and it's it's a really incredible experience so super interesting yeah, I um I need this. <laughs> because for me, I like I'm I'm doing I get so and then you know, one of the things that in the yoga things we do is like the um I can't think four four seven eight. Is that four seven eight breathing? And so I'm I'm doing like the super basic stuff because everybody's gotta start somewhere, right? And it's okay to yeah. start there. Mm -hmm. Um Absolutely. although traveling to Spain to practice breath work, I'm like, I can get down with that. <laughs> It was a pretty incredible experience for sure. It sounds like it. It sounds like you needed the breath work, breath work to deal with the guys driving, but <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, you know, for me trying to learn those and the four, seven, eight helps me because it keeps my mind from wondering because I catch myself even when I'm not like whenever I get to the point that we, you know, we get and he's like, okay, I'm going to stop counting in my head. I'm not doing the numbers anymore, but I'm like visually it's it's like on the um those music videos, the sing-alongs, you know, the bouncing. Like I can literally see in my head the boop, boop. And totally. this only airs in audio. So you guys, I'm moving my hand like those little cartoon sing-along videos. Um but yeah, so this is great information. Somebody told me once that I think it was, I want to say it was Lindsay Tabor, maybe Wiley, but anyway, somebody was telling me about because I'm like, I can't meditate. Cause I'm like, all my brain goes all over the place. And I start thinking about my fuzzy wall and then the song fuzzy walls comes into my brain and it's a whole thing. Um, and they said, picture a blank sheet of computer paper. And when you start to wonder, flip it over, just a plain white sheet of paper and flip it over in your brain. And that works for me for like 30 seconds. So I think I need to deep dive into more of these. Um, but it's like drinking from a fire hose when you Google breath work. Totally. It is. There's a lot, there's a lot out there. You know, simply just learning how to breathe correctly is is huge. Like one of the biggest problems is that most people, a lot of people, 
a lot of people, probably most people breathe into their chest Mm -hmm. and we're meant to breathe down into our belly and then up into our chest. So if just learning simply how to just fill your belly and then your chest and then let go. So even if you can just do something simple like that, um, and really that will help you with meditation because what, what you have going on is that you are, you're, you're being distracted by all these other things that are coming up. So if you have something to focus on, mm-hmm. so a lot of people think that meditation is, I'm just supposed to let, let my mind just, my mind's just going to go blank. That's not the way it works. You're not going to go just blank. Now you can't get there, but it takes focusing on something to get to the point where you can let go and have enough focus. And I've had some, I've had, you know, through the breath work, I've had some times where I've gone, you know, a minute to two minutes of some pretty substantial, just like, poof. so you, you can get there, but it just takes an incredible amount of, of dedication and, uh, and, you know, learning to just focus on, on a thing, uh, you know, having a mantra helps um, all, all those things. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, gotten to the point now where I can hold my breath for, I think the longest I've held is like five minutes. Oh, and wow. that's, that's, you know, it's because I've learned how to not be caught up in, I think the world record's like 26 minutes. That's just wild to me. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. This guy held his breath for 26 minutes. is crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, you can do so much more than you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your brain is so much more powerful than you can understand. Um, and when you learn to let go and, and just practice some of these things, it's incredible the, the things that can happen for you. And, and I think it's really important for people to dig in and, you know, reach out to somebody rather than just rely on Google or, you know, whatever else, because it, it does tend to, and I don't remember the exact details, but I remember Dr. Nicole Coyle, she was saying that there's a lot of false information out there that can you know, cause people mental, mental and physical damage um, when, you know, you're learning how to breathe. And I feel like I need to send this episode, the, the man does not know me for the record, but to to uh, Yogi Jeremy Falk that does my tempo videos, because what you just said about the belly breathing, that's, I mean, that's his, one of his biggest things. And I'm like, every time we do it, I'm like, oh, belly breathing, I hate this. But it's true because I don't breathe that deep. That's why I don't like it because it's not comfortable because that's not, I, I don't breathe properly. Totally. And you're not, um, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not operating at your full potential. Like when you're not breathing properly, you're, you're not operating like your system is designed to operate. I mean, we can literally activate the dream molecule DMT through breathing. You can have profound experiences just through your breath. I mean, some like psychedelic type of experiences just through your breathing. I mean, when you think about that, that's pretty interesting and incredible that you can have the same type of, of experience as you can from like a from psilocybin or some of these psychedelic medicines that they, that people take um you can have the same type of experience just to your breath i mean that in itself should just show you the power that our bodies have and the way that we're designed we have so much more abilities than we can even understand or fathom absolutely and you know, as we're having this conversation, I, I keep smiling because I can't wait for my daughter's boyfriend to listen to this because he's going to feel so personally attacked. He, we got a call um, I don't know, a couple months ago now 
And he was working out. He's an athlete, very great athlete that knows how to breathe when he works out. And he forgot to breathe whenever he was lifting and fell and busted his teeth all up and had to like have a whole bunch of stuff. And so now anytime we talk about breathing or anytime he walks by when my husband and I are doing yoga and they're talking about breath work, he's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. That's funny. Poor dude. Um, or anytime I speak and forget to breathe, he's like, um, Lori, do you need a lesson on breathing? Because I do that. I, I get to talking, especially when I'm nervous and, um, you know, for, forget to breathe. So when we talk about breath work or we think about breath work, a lot of times we think about the, you know, getting into that deep meditative state or any of those things. But for some of us, it's just like you said, functioning at our full potential. Yeah. Because whenever I, you know, I speak at church every Sunday, I lead the offering and, I was told eight minutes was my max. I don't think I've ever gone over three. I say eight minutes worth of things, but I can only get so many things in like three breaths, right? So, totally. And my the biggest feedback that I've gotten over the last couple months is that I'm learning how to breathe you know, through it. And I just got back from Minnesota recording my audiobook with Jeremy Trifles. And one of the things that we learned or he learned about me is when he needed to remind me to like stop and, Okay, because I, for some reason, I couldn't breathe while I was talking at first. I was, and then I would go some more. (laughs) Thank God that he and Danny uh, Galvez are like great editors because they're going to have to edit out the beginning of the book. There's a whole lot of (gasps) going into it, but, you know, (laughs) learning how to, how to breathe and embrace that, I think could literally, even the basics, even if people get overwhelmed by the thought of, digging so far into it, um, even learning basics or getting one of these little thingies that I still don't know how to use, the shift, Camoso shift thingy. Um, Although I've noticed the last couple of videos with my yogi on the videos things, he has one of these around his neck, but he never uses it. So it's got to be like a contract thing, but (laughs) he's not allowed to like advertise something else. But I'm like, I I wish he would pick it up and use it so I could learn how while I'm doing my yoga. But, (laughs) Um, you know, I, I, we're running, we're hitting close to time, but one other thing I want to kind of circle back to, you know, your mission and, and things. So, you know, I told you that a friend of mine is starting a nonprofit for, you know, retired police officers or maybe even current police officers. I don't know, but I, I reached out to, um, I was at open enrollment at one of my police departments and I was in the squad room. There were probably, I don't know, eight men in there. And then one female officer and me, and I just asked, I said, hey, so my friend is starting this nonprofit and they're looking for a name. I I would love y'all's feedback because they're looking for something that isn't triggering, but also gets the point across. And this group of men who I've, I've had conversations with them. I know this is not truly how they feel, but I think they like felt like they had to, but they start saying, oh, Crybaby's Anonymous and all this stuff. And I'm like, are you serious? So And that's been on my mind since the beginning of our conversation. So I'm like, there's a reason that that's on my mind for a reason. I need to bring it up. Um, But I think so many people, and this, this isn't exclusive to, you know, that the, you know, fire department, police departments, it's all over. We're, We're afraid to be ourselves and admit these things. But so there's a group of men and they're all saying this. And I'm like, I've had conversations with these people. One of them emails me every single holiday. Like, I know that he's not a, um, you know, a callous person. I don't know what the right word is. But so how did you, 
what was the biggest, you know, determining factor or whatever pivotal moment for you to be able to speak out knowing that there's people out there that are going to say things like that? Like, oh, if you if you come out and say that, you know, you have PTSD, whatever, then, you know, you're a crybaby. How did how did you get over that? Well, I just want to share, I mean, just back to the um, just a reminder back to the my how I got out, excuse me, out of the fire department. I got told I was supposed to leave. So I was the typical, I'm fine. I, I can do this. It's just part of the job. So I was that. I was the don't share your emotions, you know, stuff it. Um, at Towards the end, I was starting to have a couple of breakdowns where I'd have breakdowns at work where I just have like overwhelming tears. It would just come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really don't care what people think about me to, to be 100% transparent and, and honest. I've always been like that. I just don't care. Like if you have judgment towards me, it's okay. Whatever. It's my husband's husband. like that, and I'm working on it. I'm trying to get yeah. there. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, it's where you are. It's it's just you know a lot of it has to do with how you were raised and and what your life experience has been. And um, I just I really don't care. Anyways, but when when I left the fire department, um, it was and then my dad died. That was the pivotal moment for me. Because when my when my dad died, I realized I literally my dad died uh, on Halloween, um, and I went into treatment on January sixth. So from October thirty first to January sixth, I literally cried every single day. I couldn't. I just couldn't function. Um, you know, I got real close to having a divorce with my wife. Like it was a terrible time for me. And I came to realize that there is power in being vulnerable. There mm-hmm. is power in sharing your story. And there is power in um and saying, like, hey, this is me. This is where I'm at. It's very cathartic. Like it, it's very helpful to speak it out loud and release it. When I was in treatment. There was a guy that came to me and he said, hey, you know, I, I went into treatment with the mindset of like, okay, I'm doing this. I, I had heard that there was a lot of people that go through it two, three times. And in fact, when I was there, there was three people who, who were there on their second or third time. And I was like, no, I, I'm doing this one time. Like, this is it. This is my one time shot. So I'm taking it seriously and I'm going to get everything I can out of it. Um, and so one of the guys that I was there with, he came to me and said, hey, it seems like you're really getting this stuff. Um, you know, what is it that you're doing? I kept on trying to help him, kept on trying to help him. Well, I got out of treatment and I think roughly five or six weeks later, I got the word that that, that guy had uh, committed suicide. And so when I heard that, I I thought to myself like, okay, you know, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to share because if there's even one person that I can help, then it is worth it. It is worth all the ridicule and, 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 and stuff that I will hear about. And I, and I have, I mean, the guys that I work with, uh, the guys I used to work with, there's a lot of them that are, you know, they run their mouths. They, they talk what they talk and, and that's mm-hmm. okay. I, you know, because a lot of those guys, it's because they're not willing to admit that they have a problem too, you know? And so I, I've just learned that um, it's my choice. I can either sit with this and and keep it held in or I can share it and maybe I can help somebody. And then every time I hear a story that I help somebody, 
it's it's incredible like i I just you can't you just can't put words to it You, you can't understand until you've had somebody come to you and say like hey your words have helped me a ton i mean i've had people who i mean i've had a couple people who i in my mind are way further along in podcasting and I mean, I've had a few people that I was shocked to tell me that 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 they had read my book and and said, um, "Man, your words helped me." Like, I I wish I would have had these words um, when I was at this point in my life. Or so to me, um, you know, it's just not even an option anymore. It's just part of who I am. Now, it's it's been a process to get there for sure of some unfortunate events, but in my mind, it's the only way I can see see um, like it's the only way I can see that what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives it like purpose, right? Oh, I just, like that. It gives it purpose and meaning. And without me sharing, without me being vulnerable, without me, you know, being honest, then what's the purpose? What's the meaning of all this stuff that's happened? That's huge. I'm writing that down. Um, that did that, that quote hit me hard because yeah, I mean, mine is, you know, completely different, but there is a stigma on talking about, you know, neurodivergence, mental health, all of those things. And I've been terrified. I think that's one of the reasons it took me so long to finish my book, because I, I go into detail. I talk about you know my suicide attempt when I was a teenager. I talk about a lot of those things. And I was so afraid of the judgment that was going to come with it because I knew there was going to be judgment because <laughs> that's just you know, part of it. Because humans, yeah. Um, but yeah, sharing it gives gives the experience a purpose. I absolutely love that. I'm gonna have to go back and get the exact quote out, but yeah. So well, I know we're we're at our, our time limit, and I feel like you have dropped so much value and I appreciate it more than you know. Is there anything else that um you know you want to touch on before we we finish up? Anything that we didn't get to? Uh, no, you know, um, anybody who's listening to this, it follows me. I appreciate you still, uh, following me. I know know there's will be a few few and, um, I I am going to come back to social media eventually. I just, I'm figuring life out right now and I I just needed a a massive pause. So, and and I really do appreciate you giving me that opportunity to speak. I I really enjoy these conversations. It's always a pleasure to to get in in, and a great opportunity to share. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And since you are on a social media hiatus right now, um, when where is the best way to, for people to find you or what is the best way for people to find you? It's to connect? still just my website. It's just nickwingo.com. I make it super easy. Love that. One of the first things I did whenever I started this journey of like self-discovery was I got my name. Um, the Actually, I even, my daughter's a teenager and I think I got her, um, I went on GoDaddy and got her, uh, I can't even think of what it's called now, but um, when she was like 13, because I'm like, what I, this kid's destined for great things. She needs her, you know, tayajewitt.com. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but not that there's ever going to be another tayajewitt, but you never know. So, never know. could be. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'll make sure that I drop the um, your website in the description. And thank you so much for doing what you're doing and taking the time to, to come on here and drop value. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for listening again. I appreciate you and I will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of All About the Benefits. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Until next time, friends. 